Barkeep asked me what'll it be. I said, what you got? He said, well, let's see. We got Lone Star, PBR, Rolling Rock, Shinerbach, Moose, Drew, Oduels, Heffenbison, Ziegenbach, Keystone, Coors Light, Coors, we got Red Stripe. Amstel, Amsterdam, and the Talkin, Michelob, Miller Lite, Guinness by the Pint Glass, Doppelbach, Bob, Good morning, Vegas, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Little Zane Williams, one of our longtime friends and hunting buddies, kicking things off for us here on episode 400. Absolutely can't believe it has been that long uh, that we've been doing this and that you guys have been tuning in. And that's probably, what, eight years now? Yeah, just about eight years, probably a little longer. Uh, when you mix in some of the best dubs and Christmas edition shows. So, episode 400. It is great to be here with you guys and gals right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club and our friends over at Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. There is no place I'd rather be than talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So it's a great time of the year to be alive in the great outdoors. That is for sure. Archery seasons and full swing. Uh, some of y'all are probably still hitting the backcountry chasing uh, late season mule deer or elk. Uh, I'm jealous if you are. My backcountry hunts have been, well, they're not over for the season, but they are definitely on pause until December. Uh, we've got mountain lion coming up in Colorado and then February, can't believe it, uh, a trip that I booked almost three years ago, a Canadian trapline adventure in British Columbia. Uh, that's going down in February, so I'm pumped about that as well. And just like a lot of y'all will be mixing in plenty of whitetail and hogs, uh, probably some, well, a lot of coyote hunting. I've got the new Pulsar Trail hooked up on my AR, and so uh, I am ready. That cooler weather we had this past week has got me chomping at the bit to get after some coyotes, not going to lie. Uh, so lots to do. Dub season still going on. Uh, if you've been wetting the line lately, hopefully you've noticed that those largemouths have starting to put on the feed sack. I'm seeing pictures, lots of pictures of big girls coming in, uh, you know, seven, eight, not any 10-pounders yet, but uh, they are feeding voraciously on all things shad. Uh, so that's the pattern. Find the shad, you'll find the bass, no doubt about it. Uh, so lots to do in the great outdoors, and we've got what I think is uh, an awesome show planned for you today. A little different since this is episode 400. Uh, this is the Africa edition of the Lone Star Outdoors show. And I will finally, people have been asking, hey, why didn't you ever do a show about your Africa trip? Well, I've kind of been sitting on it and thought, hey, this would be a perfect time to do just that. So I'll give you uh, an overview of the trip, the travel, a day-by-day -day breakdown of what we hunted and how, food, lodging, um, accommodations, all of that cool stuff. We'll get into it, and then uh, we'll also talk about the Lone Star Outdoors show upcoming safari uh, with John X Safaris, which will take place this June 22nd through the 30th. Uh, so lots to get into today. I think I took 10 animals while I was over there. I think that's right. Um, but we're going to talk about each one of those hunts and what made it special on this morning's broadcast. So, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire here. Maybe pour yourself another cup of coffee out of Granddaddy's old thermos, that one that's still got mud caked on it from duck season 2012. I know mine does. Somehow I think it makes it taste just a little bit better, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's what's on the docket. 
And uh, okay, a couple other things though. I got a cool giveaway for you today, especially for folks in the uh, North Texas area, because I've got a table at the October 26th Dallas Ducks Unlimited Banquet. Um, individual seats, I think we still have uh, some tickets available. They're 125 bucks, but I'm going to give away a pair of tickets to my table right now to the third person to text in the word words ducks unlimited that's ducks unlimited 214-289-7807 and you could win a pair of tickets to the october 26th that is a thursday uh banquet and it's taking place at 6500 cedar springs in dallas uh, so cool stuff there and like i said 250 dollars value we're just going to give it away free drinks food uh, I don't know how many guns we're raffling off. It's upwards of 30. Should be a really awesome time raising money for those feathered little rockets that uh, we all like to chase around for three or four months <laughs> every winter. Um, all right. Uh, one other thing. Don't forget our – what month are we in? Hell, it's already October. Can you all believe that? Uh, our October Photo of the Month Grand Prize is an all-seasons road feeder. It's a Game Guard Edition road feeder. Uh, you attach it to your ATV, four-wheeler, or your pickup. It's valued at uh, 300 bucks. So another cool photo of the month prize. Thanks to All Seasons for stepping up on that. And all you have to do to enter, email your best hunting, fishing, or outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. Post it on our Facebook page wall if you'd rather do that. Or tag us on Instagram. Use LSOS Photo Contest, and we'll get you entered for the fan vote at the end of the month. And then our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt Trophy Axis or Black Buck with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas, which I actually just got back from. Saw a lot of nice Axis deer, uh, some decent, well, better than decent, four curl, Black Bucks. I was really tempted to shoot one of them. Uh, but that is a, a story for another day. Did take a nice uh, management eight point while I was down there and got to hang out with uh, our good buddy Glenn Underwood. So always good times uh, heading down to Rock Springs, Texas, beautiful area down there in the deep Texas Hill Country. Let's take a break. Up next, it is uh, day one and two of our South African Safari with John X Safaris. That means Impala, Zebra, and Kudu coming at you next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's no fortune at the end of the road that has no end. There's no returning to the spoils once you spoil the thought of them. There's no falling Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The system hog trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. 
We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Hey, everyone. It's Eva Shockey here. I just wanted to say congratulations, Cable, on show number 400. That's awesome. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. This old shotgun is wood and steel. It don't breathe and it don't feel. But I like the way it shines. In the frosty morning light. All right. One of my favorites there from our good friend, and I think a former honky-tonker in, in another life anyway, Justin Bowerman, this guitar, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Justin's a, a longtime friend of the show. I've done a lot of duck hunting and turkey hunting with him over the years, and uh, he put out a couple records, got married, had a family, and the music has just taken a backseat to a, a real career, I guess you could say, not that... Uh, <laughs> Some folks say, hey, I don't have a real career, but I love what I do. Uh, and I think uh, Justin needs to pick up that old guitar and get back after it. As, uh, he sure as hell writes some pretty awesome songs. I'm Cable Smith, and this is the Lone Star Outdoors Show, episode 400. That's right. I've uh, been doing this a long time, and y'all have been tuning in, supporting the show, and sometimes even uh, finding what I or our guests have to say somewhat interesting <laughs> so thank you thank you for doing that uh thanks to our title sponsor dallas safari club as well uh we are all set to dive into south africa 2017 uh, we'll talk about days one and two here momentarily but first this segment brought to you by scent blaster y'all have seen me talking about this it is a versatile tool you need to have in your hunting pack and the reason why is because it doesn't matter what you're hunting if you use a scent-based attractant, you simply fill up the reservoir with up to two ounces of that attractant. That's basically a, a small bottle of tinks or something. And put your wick in the reservoir. You hang it right there. Turn it on. It takes four AA batteries and has a lifespan of basically the entire weekend. And uh, I think it's $34.99. You can find it at scentblaster.net. Doesn't matter if you're hunting deer, hogs, or coyotes. You just put your favorite attractant in there, hang it out, downrange, and you are ready to rock and roll. So, simblaster.net, grab yours today. All right. Uh, well, without further ado, let's get into South Africa. We'll start with the uh, travel, which I thought was going to be much more expensive than it turned out being. Uh, I booked on, and I was very very impressed with Emirates. First time I've ever flown Emirates first class. I don't know, I didn't fly first class. What I'm saying is it was a first class uh, airline. People were great. Food was great. Seats were comfortable. Entertainment, on-flight entertainment was great. And I will tell you, that's necessary when you take a 15-hour uh, jaunt over to Dubai, which is what I did because it was about $1,000 cheaper and then from Dubai, I flew to Johannesburg, which was eight hours. 
from Johannesburg. Well, actually, I spent the night in Johannesburg, then flew uh, domestically on South African Airways for an uh, hour-and-a-half flight to the East Cape in Port Elizabeth. So total, yeah, it takes a while. That's the number one thing about getting to Africa is it, it's a time commitment on the travel. But total, my airfare, including the domestic flight, was under $1,500 uh, round trip. So uh, pretty decent there. Um, I think Tuesdays? is that? I think Tuesdays are the cheapest day to book airlines. I didn't even know about that until this uh, this trip, but... When you're booking, look on Tuesdays. Uh, okay, so that was a travel uh, from Port Elizabeth. Once I arrived on the East Cape, John X picked me up, and we drove an hour and a half to the Woodland Safaris, which is a 30,000-acre. Yes, it is high-fenced. Think about the vast size of that, 30,000 acres. Animals inside there never even see the fence, I'll tell you that. Uh, I never saw it except for driving in and driving out. And the reason why everything is becoming high-fenced, I'm not saying everything, but a lot of places in Africa is to prevent poaching. You've got all of these animals that have a value, and you've got a place where if the fence wasn't there, you'd have some serious poaching problems. On Carl's previous property, he lost five rhinos in one night to uh, poachers. And you think about... Uh, Basically, your retirement being stolen from thieves in the night, uh, that's that's not a good deal. Uh, so, anyway, Woodland Safari's a great lodge there. Um, you know, kitchen, staff, everything. It's, uh, it's not roughing it when you're at the lodge, I'll tell you that. Now, the hunting, yeah, it, uh, it, it was challenging at times. There's no doubt about that, and, and we'll start with... Uh, day one, I arrive, we, we sight the rifle in, get it ready to go for the next morning, make sure it's, uh, you know, driving tax like it should be. And then we get up and we, I have a list of, you know, eight to 10 animals that I was interested in targeting, um, Impala being one of them. And, and so Carl, we drove around, uh, the ranch and went to an area where he said, yeah, there's Impala and Eland here, uh, usually maybe even Red Hartebeest, you know, things that are on your list. And we'll just see where the day goes. And so we end up getting on um, a really nice Impala Ram. And, and the hunting there I thought was going to be drive around, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, see something, get out, shoot it out of the truck. Or maybe shoot it out of a high rack. I really didn't know. But I was thrilled to find out that that was far from the case. We never shot at an animal out of a truck um, in any situation. And uh, – and, and I was glad that that was the situation because that kind of hunting isn't as appealing to me. Don't get me wrong. I would drive around South Texas in a heartbeat and shoot hogs all day out of a high rack. Uh, but this is more in line with the kind of hunting I want to experience. So get on a nice Impala Ram. Um, you know, Carl calls out the distance before every shot. And most of these shots I took laying prone. Uh, these animals, very skittish. So... Obviously, they did not know we were there. Uh, I ended up taking that shot at right at 300 yards and um, hit the Impala. <laughs> Carl and I had an interesting conversation. He said, all right, wait till he stops broadside. Well, Carl whistled at him, you know, across a valley, and he didn't stop. So I shot, and I hit him about uh, probably five, six inches back. And so Carl immediately said, put another one in him. And, and so I did and dropped him. Uh 
awesome animal. One that Carl said, yeah, this is perfect. This is a great first animal for someone coming to South Africa. Beautiful ram. And by the way, they call everything from an Inyala on up in size, a bull and a cow, and everything from an, uh, the other direction, down from an Inyala, is a ram and a ewe. Uh, so that's their nomenclature over there. So beautiful Impala ram to start things off. Uh, we get him back to camp, uh, caped out and in the salt, as they like to say in South Africa, because that's what keeps the hides obviously ready uh, before they send them off to a taxidermist or a shipping facility. So Impala in the salt. Next up, uh, the afternoon, we are driving around looking for a Birchall zebra, one of the many species of zebra they have in South Africa. And uh, actually get on a nice herd. And Carl told me these are some of the spookiest animals to hunt. You cannot walk up on them. They are not a wild horse uh, like you Americans want to call them. They're freaking plains animals. And they are very smart. So uh, we actually, this was the closest shot I took, 180 yards. Uh, we actually came around this bend. There he was. Carl put the sticks up. Uh, some of the shots were off shooting sticks. And he said, okay, you know, he's always very... Uh, adamant about making sure you're on the right animal. And so once he was confident I was on the right zebra, as they like to call him, uh, shot him with the, uh, all, all of this was with the Horizons 7 mag, put it on his front shoulder, always the shoulder for me every time, no matter if it's whitetail in Texas or uh, elk in Colorado or a zebra in South Africa. If it's a trophy animal, I'm going to break them down with a front shoulder shot. It's going to probably hit the vitals. I mean, you've got so many blood vessels there connected to that front shoulder that you might hit the heart. And if you're a little back, uh, you're going to hit the heart, maybe the lungs. So big margin for error, and it's a shot that if you hit them in the shoulder, you've disabled them. They're not going anywhere. And if they do go anywhere, it's you know less than 50 yards every time. But usually they just drop right there. He told me the zebra would not drop. He said this is a tough animal. It's not going to drop, and it's probably not going to bleed because they have such thick hides, and uh, they're very healthy. He said that the hole plugs up. So make sure you put it on the shoulder. Sure enough, he ran about 50 yards. We saw him disappear into a thicket, and that was his final resting place. Awesome, awesome animal. It is not a horse. <laughs> it's in the same family. Uh, but we have this uh, misconception, or not mi a misconception, but we're conditioned in America to to look at horses as you know livestock. No, that's not what a zebra is. So, and oh my gosh, zebra meat, whew, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we ate it in camp, bacon wrap fillets. Mm. I'm talking about knock you on your hiney. Good, it was delicious. Um, they're one of my favorite things we ate, and we ate like kings. I tell you what. But that was day one. And then also I forgot to mention that Caracal, which is like the South African version of Lynx or Bobcat, uh, that was very high on my list as well. But you have to hunt them with dogs. And so day one and then uh, two other days we turned out uh, packs of dogs. The conditions just weren't right. They were in a pretty serious drought. So no moisture, no dew on the ground uh, for these dogs to help track uh, a uh, Caracal. And so it didn't happen. But hey. Uh, we got to listen to the dogs one morning, which uh, which really, you know, I live for that stuff. Anything you can hunt with dogs, I'm in. 
Uh, but it didn't work out. No big deal. We'll get them on this summer's trip, hopefully. Uh, just Caracal is such a, a beautiful, beautiful predator. And uh, definitely still have my heart set on that for sure. And one other thing before we take a break, I, I kind of didn't mention the terrain in South Africa. Reminds me very much like the Texas Hill Country and then in some places even far west Texas. Uh, but the woodlands was essentially, it was very hilly, a lot of uh, shrubs, not like giant, you know, oak trees or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, dense vegetation in places and then a bunch of hills, rocks, uh, great views. And then in addition to that beautiful terrain uh, and the climate, by the way, this was their uh, winter. So temperatures were the lowest it ever got was when two days we went into the mountains. It got into the uh, 30s at night, but uh, very comfortable during the day. Temps from the 50s to, you know, mid 60s, uh, even more shorts one day, which they all thought was funny because I just uh, I was trying to look like the PHs over there. You know, half of them wear shorts. And they said, oh, you're a tourist. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, beautiful weather. And then the plains up top, another part, a totally different uh, habitat, all encompassing, you know, this one property, the woodlands. The plains had to be 12,000 12, acres of it. And that's where you'd find all of your, your plains game for the most part up there. Uh, so really cool, diverse habitat. Uh, okay, what we need to do is work in a quick break here. Uh, that segment brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, and Rudy's True Texas-style barbecue. Coming up next, we will leave the Woodland Safari and head to the mountains of the Great Karoo to hunt kudu, warthog, and mountain reedbuck right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Crazy thinking that my love hey y'all cable here for my good friends over at outlaw outfitters this veteran owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks to say the least i've been hunting with them for gosh four or five years now they also do a deer hog and turkey as well they have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Howdy folks, this is Ann Watson and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show with my buddy Cable Smith. 
She keeps it all together. I always come around. She's cool, calm, and collected. I wanna paint the town. She's like a Sunday morning. I'm a dance all Saturday. Little Aaron Watson bringing us back here on Lone Star Outdoors Show, episode number 400. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thank you so much for being here as we are talking all things Africa, uh, taking a look back at the trip of a lifetime for me. There's no doubt about that that occurred uh, this past summer while hunting with John X Safaris on South Africa's Eastern Cape. We've got a couple more species to get into here in this segment. Uh, but before we do that, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get plugged in with this group of folks who are passionate about education, hunters' rights, and, of course, conservation, then I encourage you to check us out at biggame.org. All right. Uh, well, let's get into days two, three, and four on uh, our South African trip here. Uh, this was a part of the trip that w- was probably my favorite, to be honest with you, because as much as I love the woodlands, uh, we left the uh, the preserve there, 30,000-acre place, and we headed into the mountains of the Great Karoo. So we got up, uh, you know, before it was light outside and drove an hour and a half to the mountains. It's crazy. You're on the first, you fly into the beach, then you're in the Texas hill country. And then uh, an hour and a half further North, you're in the mountains, all this within, you know, a three hour stretch. It's absolutely beautiful. The terrain uh, there in South Africa. So we get into the mountains of the great crew reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, West Texas. I think the peaks are uh, 6,000 feet, maybe at the most, maybe seven. It's not killer, you know, altitude, but still enough to get your heart rate going when you're walking around up there. Uh, So uh, that stuff really turns me on, to be honest. I love mountain hunting. Uh, So uh, let me back up here, though. All the hunting takes place from, not from, you're not shooting from, but the driving around is in uh, Toyota Land Cruisers. And you you have all seen those pictures of the safari-style Land Cruisers. That's exactly what we had myself, Carl, and then the cameraman Ozzy would typically ride in the cruiser and our tracker named Elowetu would ride in the back just in case he spotted some game that uh, we didn't. And of course there's a high rack back there that he would ride in with the tracking dog, Bongo, who will come into play here momentarily with one of these stories. Um, But that's the setup. Drive around, try to see uh, a herd of animals or just go to an area where you, you... think animals are going to be and then you get out you walk and you glass and you glass and you glass and i love that stuff so lots of time behind the vortex spotting scope uh, on this trip and then carl also had a spotting scope of course and binos it's a lot of glassing which like i said i like that Uh, so we get to the mountains we meet up with his friend loey whose family grew up in these mountains that's where he was raised it's part of 140,000 acres, no fences whatsoever, and this place was stunning. Um, we were hunting kudu the first day, did a lot of glassing unsuccessfully for a couple hours, just w- looking for the right bull. Uh, I mean, even finding the herds of kudu proved challenging up there in the mountains. Remind me a lot of our elk hunting back home. And uh, you've got this animal. It's probably just a slight bit bigger than an elk. 
but same deal. And, and it was their breeding season, so they're fired up. They don't make a noise <laughs> like our elk do, unfortunately. Uh, but they get rowdy. And we finally get on. I think it was Oluwetu, our tracker, found a nice bull and brought us over to the next ridge from where we'd, we'd been glassing. And uh, we were able to belly crawl down to within about 330 yards, I think, of of this uh, kudu bull. And Carl's like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good bull. We're going to... Uh, we're going to try to kill this bull cable. So I'm getting excited. Got a good look at him through the spotting scope. And uh, Carl's, of course, you know, front shoulder, which no stranger to me. That's how I prefer to shoot him anyway. And put the 7 mag on him. We basically got to a little levee, looked down over this valley, put that 7 mag on him. And uh, I had to back up off the scope. I'm not going to lie. I was so my, – my adrenaline was pumping so hard. Uh, and the kudu had to be number one on my list of, of everything I wanted to harvest. That was, to me, that's the South African animal that every hunter wants. And so, oh, man, I was so excited. Uh, but calmed down enough, got back in the glass, executed the shot, and he did a 360 spin, took two steps, and fell over dead. It was awesome. And it always is awesome knowing you made a great shot, right? It feels good. All that practice, uh, all that attention to detail on your weapon and your scope, that's what you do it for. And so when I get my hands on this animal, I, I just, I was blown away. Just absolutely stunning. Amazing trophy. And their favorite thing to eat over there, one of them anyway, is kudu. Uh, and it is, it did not disappoint. That's for sure. Uh, so kudu uh, in the salt to get him squared away back at Lowy's uh, place there. And we're back on the hunt. Didn't take any shots, see anything, uh, you know, that we wanted to pursue that afternoon. So we wake up early the next morning with Warthog on the mind. And we get on uh, a really nice Warthog. He's asleep, though. And so once again, find him through the spot. Actually, Lowy found him through the spotting scope. And... We uh, execute a stalk down there. Ran into a monitor lizard on the way down there. That was pretty cool. I got some video of that. And uh, and then get in position. I think the shot was 280 yards. So I was pretty comfortable. And I was laying prone. But I had to back up out of the prone position about three different times because we we're waiting for this warthog to wake up. He's bedded down. So he finally gets up. I, I jump back down to the prone position and take the shot and I hit him two inches high that's all it was was two inches high you could, he ran and I took two more shots just spray and pray as he was on a full sprint and he knew where he was going we didn't know where he was going but he knew so I'm kicking myself Carl says yeah let's watch uh I think Ozzy was filming it in the phone scope uh, through his phone and so we go back and look at the footage he's like yeah I told you it was high it was he's like what happened I was like I just I don't know Carl I Unlike the kudu from yesterday, I just made a bad shot, man. He's like, no worries. We're going to find him. We'll get Bongo, and we'll go get him. So we get the little Jack Russell and Oluwetu, and they take off in the direction the pig went. And there's blood. and uh, You could see him bleeding from the video. So it looked like a fatal shot, just not one that was going to drop him because I missed that front shoulder by two inches, unfortunately. So the track is on, and after about 30 minutes, we can't hear the dog barking anymore. He's just gone. Well, finally, we hear Oluwetu yelling. He's like whistling at Carl, hey, over here, over here. 
and we get closer and we hear the dog, but it's a muffled sound. Like where what what is going on here? And come to find out, we get right up on top of where the muffled noise is coming from and Bongo is down in what Carl and Lowy would describe as the Taj Mahal of all warthog burrows. And the warthog, by the way, is a completely diurnal animal. It does not like to be out after dark. He can't see very well. And so uh, he's made it into his burrow, and he's hurt bad. You can see blood on the entrance to this uh, chamber upon chamber of uh, burrows. And the dog's in there with him. And we think, well, is he dead? Is what's what's going on? Is you know the warthog, not the dog. We can hear the dog. Carl's like, nah, he's alive. He's alive. I, you know, the way the dog's barking makes me. It tells me that the warthog's still alive. So we're not crawling in after him. Uh, although I think they probably would have if they had to. He said, let's dig. He said he looked at me and said, well, cowboy, you wanted a rodeo. You got one now. We're gonna be here a while. We don't have any shovels. I'm looking around like, what are we digging with? And Carl grabs a machete. Lowy grabs. A stick, and they start digging. And I'm not kidding you. Within 30 minutes, they had a four-foot hole dug to where they thought the dog was barking. And we're just trying to come down on top of this warthog, and no warthog. Carl's like, ah, we missed him. Start digging again. They dig another four-foot hole with a machete and a stick. And uh, couldn't get a shot at this warthog. We do, and there is some cool video of this. Uh, We don't know he's there, but... Ozzy had stuck the GoPro down in there with just his arm and and angled it to where we thought the warthog was based on Bongo's barking. And later on, we'd see that, yes, the warthog was in there and he was alive, very much so alive. Uh, And you could see Bongo, you could see bats flying around. It was some really incredible footage. Uh, But still um, was able to get a shot there at his leg. And it's from such close quarters that I was very skeptical about, you know, where I was aiming and ended up uh, disabling him again, shot him in the foot. So sad deal there. He ran to another part of the uh, his Taj Mahal. So more digging ensues. About this time, the tracker gets back with three other guys, and they start chopping down trees and digging more holes. And after about five hours, we're finally on this thing again. And I looked at Carl and I said, look, dude, uh, I don't really feel comfortable. I can't see the warthog in the scope, even though it's dialed completely out because he's literally, you know, six feet in front of me and there's rocks down in these things. I don't want to be responsible for taking a shot and having something bad happen. Or, or, you know, if you, I said, if you think you can kill him, here's the gun. And so Carl shot him in the head, killed him, done deal. They drug it out. High fives and hugs ensued. We all sat down, ate a, a sandwich, and <laughs> I said to Carl, I said, you know, I I never want to make a bad shot, but this is a memory that I will never forget. This moment in time here in South Africa with new friends, uh, it's going to stick with me. And he goes, brother, I'm glad that it happened too. You know, you never want to see the animals suffer, but uh, yeah, this is, you know, we had to work for it, and we did it. So that was a, a very neat experience. And then warthog is very tasty, by the way. That was one thing we didn't actually eat while we were there. Uh, but they do cook it on a regular basis. They cook everything from the giraffe glenshot while I was there to, you know, the warthog and, and everything in between. And there wasn't a bad bite I put in my mouth, I tell you that. So eventually we get this warthog hauled back to the Land Cruiser. It's It's getting a little, you know, late in the afternoon by now. Carl says, hey, there's some good mountain reed bucks on, on this property. And I was like, well, 
what the hell is a mountain reed buck? And he's like, well, I'll show you one. We're going to see some here momentarily. He's like, do you want to hunt one? And I was like, well, Carl, it's not on my list. How much is it? He said, 400 bucks. I was like, well, yeah, okay. I'll sh- I'll, yeah, if there's a nice mountain reed buck, uh, I'm in. So we are driving back to Lowy's Lodge there, little uh, rustic cabin in the mountains, beautiful place. And Lowy, or Oluwetu taps on the uh, on the roof saying he's seen something. We get out and start glassing, and there is, and they kept their excitement to a minimum because they didn't want me to get all jacked up. Uh, they were like, "There's a there's a nice mountain reed buck over there." So we got. This is the only time we actually, I don't want to say shot from the truck because we didn't. We got out, made a little bit of a stalk, and then got prone from the road, or the trail there, and waited for this mountain reed buck to come out from behind a tree, and I think uh, he was about two, right in that just under 300-yard range. Uh, he came out, and I just dropped the hammer on him. He did not take another step. Okay, I'm thinking this is pretty cool, but when we get up to this mountain read book, it's a religious experience for Carl and Lowy. And and Lowy looks at me and goes, Cable, I've, I've lived here my entire life, and I have, you don't know what you've done. And I was like, well, what? He's like, this is an 8-inch mountain read book. I'm thinking, 8 inches? That's so? What is That's tiny. He goes, no, this is like gold medal SCI. I've between Carl and I, we've killed two hundred with clients in our careers, and I've never put my hands on an eight-inch mountain reed buck. Carl looks at me, he's like, "Will you please, please shoulder mount this animal?" And I was like, "Well, what's it called again? <laughs> mountain reed buck." I was, oh, okay, sure, I'll mount your shoulder mount the mountain reed buck. And it was a beautiful animal, thick coat. They live up there in the mountains, about the size of, I'd say, a black buck. Uh, for reference, if you're familiar with a black buck, about that size. Uh, not the same colors or anything, but a uh, very, very cool animal. And Carl would pick up a deadhead as we were walking out after this hunt. And like I said, it was very emotional for those two guys to, to see an animal of this trophy quality. Oh, Carl said, Cable, what is a it, what is a free-range trophy whitetail buck back home, a once-in-a-lifetime buck? And I said, well, you know, for me it would be 100, 180 inches would be like uh, a holy grail. Of course, bigger would be better, but I was like, that's once in a lifetime. He goes, this is a 230-inch buck. So that kind of put it into perspective for me. So yeah, he's getting shoulder-mounted. We went back to Lowy's cabin. I cooked the kudu heart on a brie, which is a uh, pretty much an open stone fireplace that is very popular in South Africa. And, uh, oh, it's phenomenal. I think we had... Uh, uh, Lowy's wife came in and, and hung out and, and cooked dinner uh, as well. And, oh, they have great red wine there. If you're a wine drinker, whew, nice, nice red wines in South Africa. So, anyway, great time of fellowship, hanging around on the campfire up there in the mountains. And truly, truly, uh, I'm at that point beginning to realize that this is everything I expected it to be times 10. Uh, and I was just blown away with uh, South Africa's beauty, just not only of the land, but also the people. Uh, So let's take a break. Uh, We'll come back here in a second and get into uh, what are we doing next? Bushbuck, Eland, and Blue Wildebeest. Before we do that, though, that segment brought to you by Horizon Firearms. Yes, that is the 7 Mag I took on this trip. Absolute tack driver. Uh, If you're looking for a new custom rifle, check out Horizon Firearms, y'all. I've been using it for... 
three three years now two maybe two years and it's got if it had notches on it be be pretty impressive but it's too nice to put notches on so anyway check it out horizon firearms college station texas you tell them the caliber and spec it out the way you want it and they will send you the rifle of your dreams horizonfirearms.com up next we'll relive a little bit more of south africa right here on episode 400 of the lone star outdoors show Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Need a new car or truck or your current vehicle worked on? Then stop by my buddy Justin's shop in Garland. Accelerate Auto Group does everything from oil changes to engine swaps. Scratch paint to custom car and truck builds, they do it all. Sales and consignment on everything from cheap commuter cars to investment grade, classics, and exotics. Also, all you outdoorsmen out there, check out the Kevlar coating for your truck. Always looking for good vehicles to buy as well. Call 469-300-9669 or visit AccelerateAutoGroup.com today. So you know I love my guns, and one of my favorite hobbies is target shooting. Grant Stinchfield here. Recently, I got to experience what it's like to shoot at the Rockwall Gun Club. It's an amazing place, sitting on 70 acres, but what makes the Rockwall Gun Club so special is not just its first-class state-of-the-art facilities. Yes, it even has a 500-yard rifle range where your results show up on an iPad, but for me, it's the private atmosphere. It's like a country club for gun owners, 100% members only. And what's so cool is that many of the members are law enforcement officers, so it's common to be shooting next to the pros. The Rockwall Gun Club has 19 100-yard rifle stations, 19 25-yard pistol stations, and if archery is your thing, there's even a range for bow hunters. Now is the time to act. Become a founding member like me. The incentives they're offering are too good to pass up. The Rockwall Gun Club offers family and corporate memberships. Visit rockwallgunclub.com to set up a tour and see firsthand what it's like to be part of a private shooting experience. Visit rockwallgunclub.com. That's rockwallgunclub.com. Tell them Grant Stinchfield sent you. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hey y'all, Cody Jinks here, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, episode 400. Congratulations, Cable. Here's to many more. I don't need that whiskey anymore. Beast not the way I did back before. That stuff tried to kill me. Tell the truth, it never thrilled. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors show, episode 400. Uh, thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club, and our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, thanks to Cody Jinks, our good buddy there. It's been fun to see his star continue to rise as 
there's nobody better in country music today, I don't think. Uh, in my opinion, anyway, he's as good as it gets. Real country music, the way that Hank intended it to be played. Uh, so we appreciate Cody. Uh, this segment of the show will be brought to you by the Drive Over Chalk. If you're hauling an ATV, a four-wheeler, golf cart, a Jeep, or otherwise, just dock it with the Drive Over Chalk. It's that simple. Drive over it, and your investment is secure. You install it on your flatbed trailer, and you can find it at driveoverchalk.com. I think we're going to do uh, do another Facebook promotion here, so stay tuned because we're going to give away a Drive Over Chalk soon as well. Uh, okay, let's jump back into our epic adventure with John X Safaris. Let's talk days four, five, and six right here in this segment. And that means we're going to get into number one, Bushbuck. So this was day four, uh, and we're still in the Great Karoo, hunting in the mountains with uh, my PH Carl, Tracker Oluwetu, and his buddy Loey, whose property that we were hunting was, I think it was 140,000 acres of low fence up there in the mountains. Uh, all part of the same conservancy, which just means they're under the same quotas in that uh, 140,000 acres, uh, whether Lowy owns it or a neighbor or whoever. Um, so that's where we were. But this this morning we wake up and we are driving to a new place, a totally um, still in the Great Karoo, but a different habitat. And Lowy's family also have this farm. It's I think it was 1,500 acres only, but all it is is one side of a big ass mountain and we go up to the top of this mountain drive up there in the uh, land cruiser get out hike over to the ridge and we set up our spotting scopes and and coming into this place it was like you're driving through a rainforest and i think it's because we got closer in our proximity to the coast once again but totally different terrain they got they were not in a drought here it was very wet but then you go back towards Carl's place, you know, uh, 60 kilometers, 70 kilometers, and, and it's a drought. So totally different climate, and uh, we're hunting bushbuck, which Carl said, it's like your mule deer back home, very secretive, uh, elusive. They don't come out very long, and they're just wary, Just and they're, and they're smaller animals. I'd say probably 100 pounds for a mature ram, but absolutely beautiful and I definitely wanted one. It was high on my list. Uh, and, and we went to this place. Carl said, this is the best bush bug place we have access to. And we're going to spend a lot of time glassing and try to find a nice ram. We spent the entire day glassing. Saw two bush buck, one on a neighboring mountain that we did not have access to hunt. And one that I do not know how Oluwetu found it because he was using just regular binoculars, vortex binos. And uh, Lowy and, and Carl and myself were using spotting scopes. We didn't see it. I still don't know how this man found that bush buck, but he did. And we looked at it for a long time, and Carl said, nope, that is not the trophy quality we are after. If I won't shoot it, you're not going to shoot it, and so we're going to find something better, or you'll just have to get it next time. And that's the mentality over there. It's like, well, we didn't get that one, but here's something else. Uh, but that this was the only day that we sat and glassed from basically the same area yeah you could move over on the ridge and see different uh pockets and stuff of this property and oh my gosh the number of baboons and warthogs that we looked at this day <laughs> there's baboons everywhere everywhere we went baboons and uh I think they're called servant monkeys blue bald monkeys is really what they are but uh yeah 
they had them out the wazoo. And I wanted to shoot a baboon, not going to lie. Uh, but that's one of those opportunistic things, kind of like a jackal over there, where if you see one, uh, because they're very, very wary, and they're a nuisance. They come into camp, destroy everything, um, and they they procreate like rabbits. So I didn't get close enough to one, but it was cool to watch them through the spotting scope. And uh, and, and we made a, a traditional uh, South African barbecue right up there on the mountain, built a fire ring, had lunch up there. And so it was really a, a nice day of uh, fellowship with friends and um, seeing some beautiful country, but you know, no shooter. So we headed back to the woodlands. Um, and let me go back here because I, tr- I took this trip with my friend Glenn Underwood, uh, owner of Coons Canyon Ranch, my longtime buddy. And um, for these two days that I went to the Great Karoo, Glenn went farther inland and was doing a green hunt for rhino. Actually, it's a Vita dart hunt. So basically a non-lethal rhino hunt where he would dart the animal, get pictures, and then uh, a trained veterinarian was on site and they revitalized the animal, let it go. So he, that's what he was doing. So we were separate for these uh, three days uh, while I was in the Great Karoo, and we were going to meet back in camp here uh, that afternoon. So it was good to be back in camp with Glenn once we got back to the woodlands. Um, we had a nice dinner. I think we had uh, smoked uh, Eland tongue as an appetizer that night. Oh, man, it was whew, phenomenal, to say the least. Uh, and the next day, we'd embark on my Eland hunt. So we wake up on day five, uh, and we find a nice herd of Eland. And this was the longest stalk. It was over a mile and a half walk through um I would say the denser vegetation on the Woodlands estate. And, oh, my gosh. It, it, we had to work for it. Glassed these Eland from a ridge, got out of the truck, and just started walking and walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And I loved every second of it. We get finally to a uh, a dried tank, come over the ridge. Carl says, this is where they're going to be. And I'm just wait, be patient. I'm going to pick out an old, mature bull. He's like, there's one I know is in here. I've been seeing him, and uh, he's he, he's a really, really phenomenal specimen. So he gets his glasses up. He finally gets on him. 300 and, I want to say 320-yard shot on this one. Just once again, and this is a 1,000-pound antelope, world's largest antelope, but I'm shooting uh, Precision Hunter Hornady loads, 162 grain in that 7 mag. I put it on his shoulder, walloped him. He ran... 50 yards, maybe. Carl said, I, I jacked another one in, was about to shoot again. He kind of went behind some trees. He goes, there's no need, man. No need. He's done. So high fives, I mean, t- and then to walk up on an animal of that size was, and it took us a while to find him. It's a 1,000-pound animal, but, you know, you, we were shooting 300 yards across a ri- uh, valley and uh, into some really thick trees and so we were kind of just doing some zigzagging over there carl stumbles across him and he's like oh gosh okay well this is a this is a beautiful eland and uh and it was it was it was everything i hoped it would be uh to put my that's the largest animal i've ever killed and to put my hands on it was uh it was surreal to say the least and the eland i would say is the thing they like to eat the most so phenomenal table fare uh, we get, uh, the Elan. Oh, then that night we'd have oxtail soup, but with Elan tail. So whew, that might've been my second favorite thing I ate. Uh, 
while I was there. It was, I you know, I'm going to stop ranking them. They were all phenomenal. And every night it was wild game. I think we had steak one night. But uh, everything that we shot was taken to the cleaning shed, butchered 100%. And what we weren't going to use in camp for our safari or the next safari was then used to help feed the local community. It's their main source of protein. So, uh, and then a lot of it, they make this thing called biltong, which is basically like beef jerky. There's a lot of history there. We don't have time to get into maybe another show, but uh, biltong is basically like dried sausage and it is phenomenal. It's what they snack on throughout the day. And so a lot of that meat gets used for that as well. So Eland in the salt uh, we go back for lunch to uh, the lodge, and Carl's like, well, what do you want to do this afternoon? And and backing up to <laughs> when we were staying at Lowy's place, this rustic place up there in the Great Crew in the mountains, the day before, I, I got back to camp that night and uh, put my feet up on this ottoman. I looked at Carl, and I said, what is this? And he said, that's a uh, blue wildebeest. I was like, this is a beautiful hide. I was like, I would like to, I'd like to hunt one of those. <laughs> he goes, okay. Well, you're not, probably not going to get an ocelot due to the condition, so we'll just uh, swap the ocelot and the, the wildebeest out. I was like, awesome. So after the Eland hunt on day five, we uh, eat lunch, go back out, and this is the first time I go to the plains, which I alluded to earlier. It's about, uh, I'd say, at least 10,000 acres, and it's on the, the highest point of elevation on the woodlands property. So you got this Texas Hill Country type habitat below and then you've got these vast plains up top and that's where species like uh springbuck, uh blessed buck, black wildebeest, blue wildebeest, um sable, all these these plains game species, this is their home. And we get on a really nice blue wildebeest ram and just lay the hammer down. Shooting once again prone. Uh, I think just about 300 yards and 7 Mag did its job and we had a blue wildebeest in the salt um, which absolutely, look at the height on these things just amazing uh, so I was pumped perfect day of hunting uh, Elon and blue wildebeest get that thing back to camp Kind of wind down, have a few drinks. The, they they call it a pub. They do have a, a little bar there at the, at the lodge, and uh, and sit around the campfire and uh, call it a night. Because the next day we'd be taking on uh, black wildebeest and red hartebeest. Because Carl said, "Well, you know, now that you got the blue one, you need to get his cousin the black wildebeest." So I was like, "Yeah, Carl, I think you're right. Let's do that too." So anyway, up next we will talk black wildebeest. Red Heart of Beast, which was one of the the funniest moment of the whole trip. I'll tell you about that. And then Glenn's Cape Buffalo Hunt, which I got to be a part of. So uh, pretty cool stuff to share with you next. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas, also with a location in San Antonio. You want to know how I'm getting all my trophies back? Well, I had a taxidermy over there, Cape them, and they're going to ship them to my taxidermist in the U.S., and Josh and Becky, of course, will be taking care of those trophy mounts like they do all of my trophy mounts. They're great people. They answer the phone when I call. They offer fast turnaround time. But the most important thing is they offer amazing work. And so if you're looking for the perfect mount to last your lifetime and to, and to put that moment in time on the wall, 
so that you can relive it just a little bit every time you look at it. Give Josh and Becky a call or check them out at gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. All right, up next is Black Wildebeest, Red Hardebeest, and Cape Buffalo right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. His love for open spaces runs too deep. No bushman can survive on city lights. Popper rock and roll and hide of hides. His moon shines on the silver rigolo. Shimmers down the inland river flow. Out there with the yellow belly by. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, threecurl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do a deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. Hi, this is James McMurtry. Thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Honey, don't you be yelling at me when I'm cleaning my gun. I'll wash the blood off the tailgate when deer season's done. We got one more weekend to go. Honey, don't you be yelling at me while I'm cleaning my gun. I'll wash the blood off the tailgate when deer season's done. That's got to be my favorite James McMurtry lyric, no doubt about it. 
bringing us back here on the Lone Star Outdoors show, episode 400. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you guys and gals for being here. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club, as well as our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff, Power Polaris. Uh, we've got, well, we've got days six and seven to get into looking back on South Africa, our epic trip with John X Safaris this past summer. But first, um, I want to tell you that I'll be headed back to South Africa June 22nd through the 30th this summer. Uh, we're taking six hunters over there. There's two spots left, maybe three, um, but it's filling up fast. That's the 22nd through the 30th. If you're interested, shoot me an email to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. I'll introduce you to Carl, and we can get the ball rolling on your safari of a lifetime. All right. Well, uh, picking it back up here on day six, we got a good night's rest at the uh, lodge there at the Woodlands, and we decided to go after black wildebeest and red hartebeest on this trip. And Carl kind of was skeptical. I was like, "Why do you want to shoot a red hartebeest? That's not something that a first-time uh, hunter uh, first. That's not a first safari animal." And I was like, "I don't know. I just think they look cool." He said, "All right. Well, they are. They're really cool animals. So let's go get one." And uh, so we set out that day. And and you know the cool thing about South Africa is I had a couple animals that were on my list that I would not harvest: a bush buck. Uh, caracal, and then I had animals that weren't on my list that I would end up taking, like a blue wildebeest and a black wildebeest, which is where we'll pick it up today because we headed to the plains, back to the plains, where we wrapped up yesterday's hunt uh, looking for blue wildebeest. So day six saw us uh, looking for his cousin, the black wildebeest, and this is where I would take the longest shot I've ever attempted on an animal at, uh, how far was that? Jeez. It was 560 yards, I think. Uh, found, And let me tell you, these black wildebeest, very, very skittish. Not saying that the blue wildebeest weren't, but when you've got a herd of like 400 of them <laughs> looking at you, uh, yeah, they're pretty hard to sneak up on on an open plain. So basically, we drive to uh, like the top of a ridge, get out as fast as we could, and then have Oluwetu, the tracker, keep driving the truck by so it looked like, you know... Maybe somebody didn't get out. Did it really slow down? Because that's when the animals get wary is when the truck slows down, even if they're looking at it from six, seven, eight hundred yards away. doesn't matter. And the cloud of dust that ensues after a wildebeest stampede, oh, my God, you've never seen anything like it. It's insane. So, anyway, we're chasing them around and just can't get close enough. Just can't get close enough. They, they're smart. And... uh <laughs> Finally, Carl's like, okay, we might have to take a long shot here. I was like, all right, I'm, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my my rifle, my optics. And and with every shot on this hunt, Carl would tell me the wind so I would know what to dial. And he's just, from years and years of experience, just gauging it, blowing on his face or on his finger or whatever, and he'll, he'll tell me what it is. So we get set up prone. I'm about to take a 550-yard shot at a black wildebeest. And he calls the wind at 10 miles per hour left to right. And so I put that bullet about a foot in front of that wildebeest's front shoulder, completely off his body, and that, that bullet should theoretically drift into the kill zone. 
well, I, I squeeze one off, feel good about the shot, you know, and then a full second later, you see dust fly up, and I, I was like, I didn't hear a, a wallop. He's like, yeah, you missed him just in front of him. He's like, really, it's my fault. I think I, I called too much wind. Uh, you know, I think it's only five miles per hour. So anyway, he took the blame. I don't know if he was just being nice, but he seemed to think that it was, you know, uh, his error there. So not a big deal. Uh, we would eventually sneak up using uh, basically one boulder to get within, I think it was all the shots, about 300 yards uh, within this herd. And I would shoulder shoot this uh, black wildebeest. Nice bull. He dropped, boom, sack of hammers, just fell over. A quick and clean kill. Get him, quartered up. And the cool thing also is they take amazing pictures over there. No blood. Wanted as professional as possible. Um, and and so the picture-taking process always takes a little bit of time over there. Uh, but it's worth it because you get these uh, these amazing photos that are going to last you your entire lifetime. And so... Get the wildebeest back in the salt at the uh, lodge there and eat lunch. And he's like, okay, let's go get that red heart of beast. And I said, all right, yeah, awesome. I, I, Glenn shot a nice one. So here's another reason why I wanted to kill one. Glenn shot a really nice one. And so I wanted to shoot a bigger one than Glenn, right? What are friends for? So we go out. And I thought that the, the black wildebeest were tricky. <laughs> we were playing cat and mouse with these things for hours upon hours. I don't know how many busted stalks. Just like one time I was even in the prone position about to get on the animal and boom, busted us, took off, and there they go over the hill and they're a half a mile away in a matter of seconds. So finally, we uh, we completely just ditched the, the truck. I said, all right, no more. Everything from here on out is on foot and we take off walking and walking. Come over a ridge where he thinks they're going to be and they're not there. I'm like, well, shoot. I don't know. He's like, they disappeared. Go over one more ridge and finally get back on these. And and so they're kind of a transitional animal. Yeah, they like the plains, but they're also uh, very adept at making a living in that uh, that hill country environment. And that's where we would find them. And that's where I would take my connect on my longest shot of the trip, 370 yards. Uh, we end up belly crawling to the edge of this ridge, which I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> the more you have to work the more it means to me. So I was excited about that. And, uh, and Carl, you know, he called the wind. I made a good shot. What I thought was on a nice herd bull. And, and we looked at these animals for at least 20, 30 minutes waiting for him to get broadside. And they're all standing there just kind of feeding, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't present, uh, a lethal shot opportunity. Finally, he does, Carl reiterates, okay, tell me what the animal's doing. And that's something he always did. Tell me what he's doing so I know you're on the right animal. I tell him, okay, he's you know, he's feeding left to right here. He goes, okay, big bull in between the three cows. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm ready. He goes, okay, when you're ready, take the shot. So I take the shot. And the bullet, and you could go back and look at it through the uh, phone scope and Ozzy, the cameraman, always getting great footage of this experience. And the bullet, it looked like it went 10 feet over his back and it hit in two different places. And Carl's like, oh man, you missed him way over his back. He's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And he puts his binos back on. He's like, okay, get back on him. When he stops, try to take him again. And at that moment, he looks at me and he goes, wait a second, he's dead. He's dead. And I'm looking at, looking at him through my scope. I'm like, this animal is literally tumbling over 
as we're speaking, with a huge, I mean, you can see the blood even at almost 400 yards just pouring out of him now as he's thumping over. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Cable. <laughs> he's like, I thought you missed over his back. You'll see on the video. <laughs> Looked at the video. What happened was the bullet went in, fragmented, and came out at a really odd trajectory. Uh, so it looked like two bullets actually hit, like, it would have been a horrible, horrible shot. And Carl, that's why he was so dumbfounded. <laughs> he's like, I'm so sorry, man. It's dead. And I said, I, I thought I made a good shot, Carl. I, I, I don't know, maybe the wind messed it up or something. But, uh, yeah, I felt confident. And he's like, yeah, it, it was a perfect shot. Uh, just couldn't tell from the way the bullet exited. Uh, it looked like you made the worst shot of your life. <laughs> so that was funny just to go back and look at it on film and then hear Carl in his uh, South African accent apologizing. I'm so sorry, man. So we had a good laugh on that front. And uh, and then, once again, amazing dinner. Uh, I think we had Springbuck Carpaccio at one point uh, that night. And who knows what else. But uh, the food, once again, the lodging, everything great. They had a, a maid that would wash your hunting clothes for you. Whatever you put in the dirty hamper, hey, she had it washed and ready for you for the next day. So really, they they cater to you, wait on you hand and foot. It was not like a lot of stuff I'm used to, uh, but it was enjoyable. And, and the actual hunting, you had to earn it. You had to chase these animals around. You had to make longer shots than, say, what I'm used to uh, most of the time here in, in North America. Um, and I thought it was challenging and, and just as much fun as you could have with your pants on. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so we go back. Get that heart of beast in the salt, have a nice dinner, wake up for day seven, the last day of the hunt. And Carl's like, what do you want to hunt tomorrow? I said, to be honest with you, Carl, I'm good, man. I, uh, I'd rather just go drive around and just look at animals. Maybe, oh, let's put the, uh, let's put the uh, hounds out, see if we can get that caracal. So that's what we ended up doing was, uh, was going and just kind of chasing the hounds around, even though the conditions were pretty adverse with the dry ground uh, being in an epic drought. And they, they didn't find anything. A week later, they got some rain, and I saw a picture of uh, the next safari. One of the hunters got a really nice caracal, so I was jealous to say the least, but hey, that's the way it goes. Uh, also, that afternoon, I knew that Glenn was going to be trying to end his safari with a Cape Buffalo, and I got to tag along on that hunt, which ended uh, with a smashing success on... I've never, I've never seen anything like a Cape Buffalo, put my hands on him. Glenn made a great shot. Carl and then Glenn's PH, Greg and myself and Ozzy, the cameraman, all were on this hunt. And these buffalo are very spooky, to say the least. Very wary. We spotted them from a ridge. Had to be three-fourths of a mile away. It was kind of in the same area where I'd killed my eland earlier in the week. Um, The wind was howling, which not good for buffalo hunting and to see the phs greg and carl go into this totally different persona that's when the big guns came out the big bullets came out um 416 rigby's 400 nitro express i think that's what the phs were carrying and then glenn was hunting with a 375 h and h which is the smallest bullet legally allowed to hunt Cape Buffalo. And I asked Greg, I said, well, why doesn't he use a bigger caliber? And he said, no, 375 is so hard hitting that even though it's smaller than say the, uh, some of the bigger, you know, giant dangerous game guns, uh, 
it's perfect for the Cape Buffalo because of the penetration. And that would play out to be absolutely true. So the stalk was epic. I slipped on a rock at one point, and Carl just looked at back at me like, are you kidding, dude? I thought you were better than that. And he didn't say a word. He just looked back at me because uh, we were probably maybe 400 yards from these buffalo, and it is in thick, thick underbrush, like South Texas. Uh, just acacia trees is what they have, which is a cousin uh, to our mesquite trees. So anyway, he apologized after the hunt. He goes, dude, I'm so sorry I looked at you like that. I was like, Carl, I've never felt so small on a hunt as I did in that moment. And uh, he's like, well, you know, I just expect more. I was like, I I expect more out of myself, bro. It's no big deal. I just lost my footing there. So anyway, they were on point. Uh, the severity of the situation was realized very quickly. And when Glenn belly crawled into basically the middle of an acacia tree to take, a, I think it was a 130-yard shot. That was a very close shot, to be honest. Uh, it, just what, being there for this experience was so surreal to be on a dangerous game hunt. And, uh, and I've hunted, I've been 10 feet from a mountain lion in a tree. Dangerous, right? But not like this, not like this at all. Um, something that we especially once wounded, oh my gosh, it went from on point to on pins and needles. It wasn't wounded though. You know, Glenn made a great shot. It only ran 60 yards, but we couldn't see it when it ran off. So that was a pretty hairy deal. One that I was just so thrilled to be a part of, to share it with Glenn. Uh, his son was able to get some pictures with him. Woodson's only three, I want to say. So that was cool. And just to put my hands on the bosses of Glenn's Cape Buffalo. Um, if it's ever in my price range, whew, tell you what, I'll be hard-pressed to, to pass up that opportunity. But that was the cherry on top for what was an amazing week, the hunt of my lifetime in South Africa. Uh, like I said, we'll do it again this coming summer. Dates are June 22nd through the 30th if you want to go on the Lone Star Outdoor Show trip. Still got, I think, three spots left. Uh, so just shoot me that email over to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And by then, all my stuff should be back. Uh, actually, within probably the next six months, all my stuff should be back stateside. And, and Josh and Becky over at Rustic Reminders will start working on it. Uh, and I'm super excited. I'm getting three shoulder mounts, the uh, Eland, the Kudu, and the Mountain Reedbuck. The rest will all be European mounts. And then I'll have some of the hides done for rugs. And I'm going to make an ottoman out of that blue wildebeest that I told y'all about earlier. Uh, hell of a trip. And I'd love for y'all to be a part of it. You know, if anyone out there listening has Africa on the top of their bucket list, this is a great opportunity. And, hey, if you don't go uh, on our trip, maybe you don't even go with John X Safaris, whatever. Just, if you can, go to Africa one time. Just do it. Save a little bit of money. And make it happen because it it was life changing to to go from a place where we hunt all season for one specific whitetail buck, or we have a ten day tag in the mountains for elk or mule deer, whether it's with a bow or rifle, whatever. It's one animal, one species that you're after. You go to Africa, you literally the world is your oyster. It's spoiled for riches over there, and you can hunt one of twenty three species on. One specific property. It's insane. And once you hunt one animal, it's like, well, what do you want to do next? So that was uh, 
that was my favorite part is it just never never wanted to end the hunting never wanted to end if you can get over there definitely do it and that segment by the way brought to you by lone star ag credit and sendero seed company texas premier seed company check them out at senderoseed.com unfortunately we gotta go gotta get out of here we're actually we've already gone over a little bit uh thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of the 400th episode of the lone star outdoors show i can't believe it's been that long guys and gals and it's you who made this possible so thank you very much until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors Sending you this postcard to tell you that I'm fine And let you know wherever I go you never leave my mind